What's up, y'all? Welcome back to Adorn Podcast. This is episode 87, and today we're jumping back into Matthew. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. It feels good to be back in a book of the Bible. Back in our groove. Yeah. yeah. So where did we leave off at the last part of was that November? the year? Yeah, yeah, it was before Advent. That's so right. yeah, it was like November. Um, so we finished with the Sermon on the Mount, which would be the end of chapter seven. We started in chapter one and walked through chapter seven. And um, to give some context into where we pick up in chapter eight, like we said, we're coming off the Sermon of the Mount, but what does that mean if you didn't get to listen to it? What that means is that um, Jesus had spent some time speaking to the disciples and telling them what it looks like to live a life of discipleship, what to do, what not to do, um, not in a legalistic form, but kind of correcting where they were saying, well, what about this Lord? Mm -hmm. And what do we do about this? And so he was just giving them, you know, kind of, um, really helpful, it was really kind of him to yeah. do this. He spoke yeah. to anxiety. He spoke to lust. He spoke to anger and just a really um, practical mm-hmm. sermon yeah. on the mountain. Right. <laughs> and those guidelines, we need to remember, like Aaron said, they're not legalism. It's mm-hmm. for our good mm-hmm. and for us to live live our best life, so to speak, <laughs> even though y'all know we're not all about that. But that's that's what he was doing. He was given these guidelines so we can live fully yeah. um, in the freedom of him. Yeah, that's good. So the last, I'm just going to read the last two verses because I think it walks us into starting eight. So seven, chapter seven, tw- um, 28 and 29 says, and when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. So we end with them, The it's what it seems, and correct me if this is my understanding, but like he started with teaching the disciples and then all the like people just were also coming up and listening. Yeah, that's kind of how I take it okay. too. Yeah. Um, so all these people were astonished and realizing, oh, this guy's the real deal, or mm-hmm. this guy, he's not just a scribe. There's something or, different about yes, him. Yes. Yeah. So he has an worry. authority that the scribes don't yes. have. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we're going to read um, in the following chapters about some of the miracles that Jesus did. And my study Bible says that the order differs from Mark and Luke, possibly because Matthew is arranging them by topic instead of chronologically. Mm. So sometimes it's confusing when you read one gospel and then you read another and you're like, wait, it's a different order or it's just a little bit different. We just need to remember that like different people are writing these. And so they have different preferences and how to organize things. And even like, you know, when you hear a story, and then when the person beside you hears the exact same story, like you're going to pick out different things. Mm-hmm. So that's just something to keep in mind. That's as a we're good reading. reminder. Um, one thing I read about this that I think is a really good way to kind of summarize it when we're talking about chapters eight and nine versus the Sermon on the Mount, it says that Jesus has shown himself as the Messiah in word through his teachings in chapters five through seven, which is the Sermon on the Mount. And now he shows himself to be the Messiah indeed through the performance of these miracles that Casey's talking about that we're going to read about, which is demonstrating um, the kingdom of God has truly arrived. Mm -hmm. So he taught through word and now he's going to kind of like 
word and action. Mm-hmm. You could think of it as like yeah. here he's saying things and then he's like doing things to prove that he is Messiah. So they were astonished at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, like, wow, what's different about this guy? Who is this? You know, who's this Jesus? Is he the Messiah? And now he's going to like almost like prove it, you know? And I wonder if he's thinking like, you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah, like yeah. you just think my words are powerful. Mm-hmm. You just watch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. So let's go ahead and get started. Verses one through four. When he came down from the mountain, great crowds followed him and behold, a leper came to him and knelt before him saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me, you, uh, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him saying, I will be clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a proof to them. So I think it's super interesting that this is the very next event. I know, you know from what we read in like from the chapters of Matthew coming off the Sermon on the Mount. He says they came down from the mountain and the very next thing to happen um, because Jesus had just spent all this time like discussing really hard things, mm-hmm. you know, things that you know, we talked about, like it was almost like you had to be fully in or you weren't in. There's no on the fence. There's no one foot in the kingdom and one foot right. on yeah. earth, you know? And so he spent all this time like saying, Hey, you got to be fully committed. You got to be fully in. And then the first thing that happens and the c- crowds are still with them is, is that he, he heals someone and that he's saying, you know, like this person has faith and that, that, that he will make him clean. And so I just think it's a, it's a really interesting shift from here's some really hard truths and then here's what happens when you have faith. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. Um, it always stands out to me when Jesus says not to say anything. I'm like, why mm-hmm. would Jesus not want them yeah. to say anything? And my Bible said it's to prevent the miracle seekers from hindering his main mission because his main mission was to proclaim God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. So I think that's important to remember too. Like God's main mission, even through these miracles, was to proclaim God's kingdom. It yeah. wasn't to heal everybody. It wasn't to um, to preach these great sermons. Like it was through the sermons and through the miracles for everybody to see the kingdom of mm, God. Yeah, that's cool. I think too, like we have such a hard time with, with saying hard truths, I think. So like coming off this, this talking about the sermon on the Mount where he's saying these things, we would think, Oh, if I say things like, like Jesus told us to live a certain way or to not live a certain way, we'd be afraid that that would turn people away from Jesus. Oh yeah, for but sure. But the reaction we see is that when he came down from the mountain, they followed him. Great crowds followed him. So like it really encourages me to speak truth mm-hmm. because I have I have no um, control over how someone's mm-hmm. going to respond, but I'm still called to speak truth into people's lives. And when we see how Jesus did it, people followed him. People you know, it was hard, but they wanted what he Mm -hmm. had. And so I think that's a good reminder for us. Have you ever noticed with your kids that sometimes when you're really hard on them, that's when they like lean into you the most. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Like I will have just like disciplined my girls like, and, and I'm not talking about the times that I like lose my temper and yell at them, but the times that I like just, I'm have to be stern with them, but I discipline them and I think, Oh gosh, like they're going to be so upset. And then they're hugging me saying, Mm -hmm. mommy, I love you. Mommy, you're the best mommy. And so I think, sometimes like we crave that tough love Mm. because it shows that that person cares for us. Oh, that's good. And so I wonder if that's kind of what they felt with Jesus. They're like, this guy cares enough Mm. to tell us the hard things. And so I think that's something important to remember. Like even when we're talking to our friends or, or, um, family, like, yeah, sometimes it's hard, but that's, that's what people need and they'll appreciate it in the long run. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's good. That's good. All right. This is a big section here. Verses 5 through 13. When he had entered Capernaum, a centurion. I can never say that right. I always want to say century. Centurion. Yeah. (laughs) Came forward to him. What is a centurion? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I thought you were going to know that. (laughs) You're the one in seminary classes, Aaron. I know. True. Yeah, it sounds like a guard. Let's go with that. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Came forward to him, appealing to him. Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly, I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many come from the east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And the centurion to the wait and to the centurion Jesus said go let it be done for you as you have believed and the servant was healed at that very moment every time i read this the skeptic in me comes out and i think did he really have that much faith or was he just not be it was he just being lazy and not wanting to take jesus back with him <laughs> cuz he's like that never even crossed my mind That's i so always funny. think that <laughs> like did he just not want to take him but Jesus knew his intentions and he saw his heart and he saw that he really was a man of faith and so yeah and then this is also just showing us the centurion was a gentile and so verses 10 and 12 show us that the gospel's not just for the Jews but the gentiles as well yeah that's a good point the thing that really um stood out to me from this passage was that we continue we see Jesus serving and healing the marginalized like the centurion doesn't come and say heal me or heal my, you know, different things like that, which we'll hear more stories about that. But in this one in particular, I really like that we start with that one because what we see is Jesus healing a servant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that just is really encouraging to me that Jesus, he doesn't just care about the centurion. He doesn't just care about like the leaders of the army or whatever. He, he's healing Mm -hmm. the marginalized and the servants and the people that we would think, oh, well, they're not really worthy of healing that wouldn't have as big as impact as if he would have healed someone in high power. Jesus is like, no, you don't get it. Like mm-hmm. he heals and he's there for the marginalized. And I, I think I try, I've been trying to think of like, how can I model that in my life? How can I care more for the marginalized? Mm-hmm. And um, that's something the Lord's really been convicting me of in different ways. So yeah, that's good. I mean, we see that all the time. Like Jesus mm-hmm. is always caring for the least of these, whether yeah. it's children or servants or, or people that are considered unclean or, I mean, that's, that's what Jesus does. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. Verses 14 through 17. And when Jesus entered Peter's house, he saw his mother-in-law lying sick with a fever. He touched her hand and the fever left her and she rose and began to serve him. That evening they brought to him many who were oppressed by demons and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fill, fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. It's just so funny to me how casual it is. It's like, and he just healed everyone. Like, he no big deal. He touched her hand and yeah. she, the fever left her. <laughs> yeah, and, and I mean, it's interesting because we see these specific stories of like Peter's mother-in-law and the centurion's servant, but then it also tells us and he cast out the spirits with a word and word. he healed all who were sick. Mm-hmm. So it's like 
not only do we get to see this like intimacy that Jesus cares for specific people, but he also cares about the welfare for all of the people involved and heals. And it says he healed all who were sick. Mm -hmm. So we get to see the magnitude of Mm -hmm. his power and the like intimacy of his power. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, sickness and disease, those are a result of the fall. And I think it's important that we remember that Jesus came to wipe all of that away. Mm -hmm. And Jesus's miracles of healing are just a little glimpse into our eventual glorification. And when I was originally, studying this it was Monday morning and it was 6 30 in the morning and we had a really busy weekend Mm -hmm. this past weekend I mean Aaron's was even crazier than mine and it was just really busy and I was just flat out exhausted so as I was thinking about our eventual glorification I was like praise the Lord (laughs) like just the thought of a new body and just everything yes it doesn't get tired and or sick Mm -hmm. or weak and you know the older I get the more and more I long for this but also like the more I learn about God and who he is, the more I long for this. So I think it's, it's this connection that I made. Like I think sanctification actually makes you long for heaven. Mm. Um, because I think the more you become like Jesus and the closer you become to God, like not to being God, but the closer you are to him in your walk, Mm -hmm. the more you long to be with him. And that's, what it'll be like in glory. Mm-hmm. And I just cannot wait for that day. Yeah. That's but we good. have a lot of work to do here before. So. Yeah. 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 That's good. <laughs> I noticed in this, I didn't notice it the first couple times I read through when we were studying, but then it really jumped out to me where it, t- when it talks about Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law. And then it says like the fever left her, she rose and began to serve him immediately. Immediate. Yeah. And we've talked about this when we were going through Genesis, like immediate obedience and different mm-hmm. things like that. But it was really just convicting to me. Cause I, I noticed personally, sometimes like even when I'm sick, like I try to milk it for oh, as yeah. long as oh, I yeah. can, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just really was convicting. Like as soon as she was mm-hmm. healed, she didn't ask Jesus, why did I have to suffer with that? That's mm-hmm. not what she did. She yeah. didn't question him. She, she just got up and she served him. Mm-hmm. And I was like thinking of my own life, how can I do that? How can Mm -hmm. I encourage others to do that? How can Mm -hmm. I teach my kids that of not, you know, of there's this whole, Taylor and I have been talking a lot about this whole like self-care movement and like, how does that fit within what we're called to as a gospel, because we do need to care for our bodies. God mm-hmm. told us they're, they're a temple and the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And that is super important. But how do we also you know, when we're in a place where we can, like she was, as soon as she was able, she Mm -hmm. began to serve. So just kind of like taking inventory of our own personal lives. My husband works a job that he's tired most of the time because he works 24 hour shifts. And so what does it look like for him to take care of his body, but then also to serve as soon as he's able? And so I don't know, that's just something that we've been processing through. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's a question of the hour, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) true, so true. All right, verses 18 to 22. Now, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. This is always really confusing it to is. me. This is a confusing passage. Because I feel like the Bible's really clear that we are to respect our parents. Even Matthew later in, yeah. in chapter 15, he talks about that. Yes. Let me read it real fast so that we can... I put a note in here, but I didn't actually put the scripture. But I think it is helpful to make sure so we're not just saying like, we are oh, supposed to... Oh, the Bible to. says this. Well, I mean, yeah. one of the Ten Commandments. Well, sure. <laughs> so he talks about... Um, he calls out the Pharisees and the scribes. He's... The Pharisees and scribes are trying to catch Jesus in like 
hypocrisy or whatever. And he says to them, um, why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? For God commanded, honor your father and mother Mm -hmm. and whoever reviles your father or mother. Well, it goes on and on. But basically the point is that Matthew is not just, you know what I'm saying? How you were talking about picking up certain things within stories. He's not just picking this up. This is something that Mm -hmm. needs to be talked about because there's a tension here yeah yeah for sure i think the point might have been that jesus was saying that sometimes following him seems very countercultural because mm-hmm. in their culture and i mean jesus says himself like you are to honor your father and mother but in their mm-hmm. culture it was very much like family was everything mm-hmm. and so i think jesus was saying following me can sometimes go against mm-hmm what culture says and that's hard and I was actually talking to Jonathan about this this past weekend about how the cost is many times left out when we're telling someone about what it means to be a Christ follower you don't want to scare people away and be like yeah Jesus did all this for you and it's gonna mean a really hard life like Mm. you don't want to say that obviously but I think it is important that people realize like it's not just about an emotional experience Mm -hmm. and it's about actually laying down everything to follow Jesus. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. It's actually really hard, but it's always worth it. And that's what he commands us to do. Mm -hmm. And so it's tough because I feel like, you know, a lot of times the gospels presented out as a like get out of hell free Mm -hmm. card, but that's not all that it's about. That's not, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with, the saving work. Like there's a lot more. Um, Otherwise we would just be taken up to heaven. Right, immediately. Right. Right. There's a lot more to the Christian life than just, Oh, I'm saved now. Mm-hmm. Like sanctification is a process that isn't easy. It's yeah. hard. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I, I agree. I think this is a super tricky passage and I was reading some um, commentary that I thought was helpful. It talks, it says, um, Jesus clearly upholds the biblical command to honor father and mother. So he's not, like we said, he's not, saying that that's not important. Um, and then it says, to the, but the call to follow him rises above all other allegiances. Anything that hinders us unqualified commitment to him in the, um, into this new covenant of family of faith must be set aside. Mm-hmm. So I think this kind of goes back to like when we were talking about the Sermon on the Mount, There's there could be a bit of hyperbole here that's kind of debated. Yeah. Um, but the, his point, he's, you know, making a dramatic point. He's making the point of that, like, don't let anything hinder your, your following me. Right. That don't is let the number one distract thing. you. Don't let anything stop you. Um, the, the call to follow me rises above yeah. everything. Yeah. So what do you think it means when it talks about he had nowhere to lay his head? So we talked about this a little bit in my class and I was trying to find my notes, but I, I couldn't find my specific notes about this. But um, I th- if I remember correctly, what we talked about was what he's saying here is that he is not fr- of this earth and that he's not oh. like that. He is, a, you know, he's God. And yeah. he, he's saying that this is this is not my home. Mm, I'm mm-hmm. not I'm dwelling with you um, yeah. and I'm here and I'm God and I'm fully man. But this is not my home. Mm, yeah, it is kind of a funny fox's it holes is. and airs and nests <laughs> and birds. And it's kind of a funny thing to say. It's good. Yeah. 
Okay, so verses 23 through 27. And when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great storm on the sea, so that the boat was being swamped by the waves. But he was asleep, and they went and woke him, saying, Save us, Lord, we are perishing. And he said to them, Why are you afraid, O you of little faith? Then he rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marveled, saying, What sort of man is this, that even the winds and sea obey him? I love this story, particularly because my kids love this story. Mm-hmm. I think there's something in all of us that like marvels at the fact that he can control the weather. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Like it's, it seems so scary and huge mm-hmm. and out of control. Like when we think of weather, mm-hmm. but the fact that God is so powerful that he can just say, stop. And, and the, the ocean. And, yes. You know, the ocean yes. is just so vast mm-hmm. and huge. Yeah. And the fact that he has power over that is just like... Whoa. Yeah. I think, um, I think it was Jen that said we all want that daily dose of awe. Mm -hmm. And so I think stories like this can remind us of that, that awe that we are to feel, um, in front before him. But I think it's, um, interesting when I was reading about that phrase, Oh, you of little faith, it, um, the original Greek word is, let's see if I can do this. Oligopisto. Oligopistos. Okay. Good job. Oligopistos. Um, he's not saying, no faith and he's not even really saying little in regards to big faith and uh-huh. little faith what he's yeah. saying is ineffective faith um. and i thought that was really interesting because what he's saying is you your your faith is not in me like your faith is not in the power that i have your faith right now is in your circumstances and i think we can all relate to that because weather specifically mm-hmm. it seems so out of control in moments when we ha- like we have pretty big storms here in texas and or tornado warnings and things like that in those moments are we putting our true faith in Jesus? Or are we saying like, Jesus, I trust you that you're in control, but I'm also going to do mm-hmm. every physical thing I can because I don't really trust you. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I know you're afraid of tornadoes. So this oh my is gosh. a little hit yes. home for you. Yes. But I was thinking like even outside of weather, like thinking about this in our actual, you know, like everyday lives that sometimes we do that. Like we put our true faith in the circumstances. And we think that those circumstances are outside of the power of God. Mm -hmm. But what he's saying, no, 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 like get back in line, almost like realign your faith, realign where you're putting your gaze, because we need to have faith in who Jesus is. And so what basically what they were doing is that they were having faith in the natural world Mm -hmm. more than the supernatural. And so I, I thought it might be interesting if you have any examples of that. So almost daily, I have an example of this. I, my health anxiety is um, one of my biggest struggles. And part of that is because I am an RN. Mm -hmm. And so I went to nursing school and I, I say a lot of times, like I know too much about Mm -hmm. the human body. And so I'm constantly like, if I find any little bump or bruise or anything like that, I'm like, Jonathan, oh my gosh, like I have cancer or Mm -hmm. I have this or that. And he's like, Casey, like, it's okay. Like God made our bodies to heal. And sometimes things happen. And I'm like, but no, the nursing books say this. And he's (laughs) constantly telling me like, Casey, the nursing books aren't God. Mm, Like mm -hmm, God, mm -hmm. God is more powerful than our knowledge. And I really struggle. We've talked about this before. And it's another thing that Jen Wilkin has, I've heard her speak on. Like I struggle with wanting that omniscience that, only God can have. Mm -hmm. Like he is the only one that's all knowing. And 
knowledge is is dangerous to me like mm-hmm. i see why adam and eve struggled with that yeah. in the beginning because i struggle with wanting to know it all wanting to know everything and so jonathan's constantly telling me like casey sometimes you just have to like put all of that knowledge aside and trust the supernatural. Mm -hmm. Like that's what Mm -hmm. he's telling me. Like you need to trust God, not what nature says, not what your nursing books say, but, but what God says. Yeah. That's hard. That's a really good example. Thank you for Uh opening that up for us. That's a really good example. (laughs) So, okay. Another little Greek lesson here. The word that he talks about when he says, and the men marveled, um, is thaumazo, T-H-A-U-M-A-Z-O. If you, or someone who likes to look this thing up. And it means to wonder or to be amazed. And this is what I was mentioning before of that, that we all are looking for that daily dose of awe. And so that's what he's saying happened here. Like when he rebuked the winds, their automatic response was this awe and Mm -hmm. being amazed. And so I think it's important to recognize that about ourselves, that we're looking for that so that we can recognize when we're looking for it in anything other than God. Like we're going to look for it in, um, at a, like acclamation from people. We're going to look at it for in social media. I think that sometimes we envy the people who maybe were in the boat with Jesus and think, well, it was easy for them to get their daily dose of awe from, from Jesus because they, you know, firsthand saw it. But then I was feeling really convicted about that. Cause I was like, yeah, but they might've got to see that one experience, mm-hmm. but we get to read all of it. That's so true. That's so true. Except for what John says at the end oh, that, okay. that yes. <laughs> we don't know everything Jesus true. did, this is <laughs> but true. yes, that's so true. I was actually having this conversation with a friend this week because because she was, I was asking her, like, what are you doing to spend time with Jesus? Mm-hmm. And she said, well, you know, I'm listening to worship songs. I really like worship songs. And I'm listening to podcasts. And I said, but what about the Bible? Like, yeah. what are you doing yeah. to spend time in his word? And she was like, well, you know, I fall asleep when I read the Bible. So I just listen to these things. And I said, well, I want to challenge you to, before you listen to a podcast, even my amazing podcast, <laughs> before you listen to a podcast, before you listen to worship music, I want you to turn on your Bible app and press play on it and mm-hmm. listen to at least one chapter. Because I think that, I think that we can get some off from these other places. And sure. um, there are things that stir our affections for for God and who he is but nothing is going to do like that like his word nothing and we need to remember that because while these um, beautiful songs might um, create like an emotional response in us and might just really make us feel a certain way his word is Mm -hmm. is what we really crave and what we really need yeah and I think it's a good reminder that you also like have realistic expectations as far as like what a dose of awe is you might be reading a chapter you know in Leviticus and not automatically be like I don't really understand where the (laughs) awe is here but um just remember like think of it like Jen says like as a savings Mm -hmm. account like you're putting in deposits and you're putting in deposits and it will all make sense Mm -hmm. and as time grows as you understand the story of scripture more that awe is automatically there Mm -hmm. because you see the beauty of the story and Mm -hmm. and not necessarily so dependent on that day's reading right the sense of awe if that makes sense Mm -hmm. yeah I like this passage too because it shows us Jesus's humanity Mm -hmm. he was sleeping yeah yeah but I love that he was 
sleeping through it because he had mm-hmm. no anxiety, no yeah. fear. I mean, just, I mean, he was Jesus. So mm-hmm. he knew, like he knew there was nothing to fear, nothing to worry. And as I was reading this, I was a little bit envious because we've had several storms this week and we've had lots of children and lots of puppies in our bed. And yeah. so I'm feeling a little bit sleep deprived, which I know you can relate to way more than that, <laughs> even the sleep deprivation. But I was like, just to sleep, like, that peacefully without a care in the world even through the storms I was like that sounds amazing yeah that's a that's a really good point I mean we don't have anything about this in our notes so this is a freebie but I think that's a really good point it's like we should be able to to rest that calmly if we We truly trust in Mm -hmm. Jesus like we should be able to rest like he did yeah we should like babies. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm looking at Reed sleeping right now. Like, <laughs> you know, babies see, sleep so peacefully because yeah. they don't have a care in the world. Yeah. Yeah. And we should be able to sleep like that too. Yeah. We should. Preaching to ourselves here. <laughs> so verses 28 through 34. And when he came to the other side, to the country of the gar. There's a lot of hard words today. Gatherings. Two demon-possessed men met him, coming out of the tombs so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you done with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them. And the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And he said to them, Go. So they may come out and went to the pigs. And behold, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herds men fled and going into the city they told everything especially what had happened to the demon possessed man and behold all the city came out to meet jesus and when they saw him they begged him to leave their region so i read that the reason they begged him to leave was because that was like um very valuable pigs during that time were worth a lot of money because it was kind of like their livestock or Mm -hmm. however like we would think of cows i guess maybe yes um and so that's one of the reasons why or at least this is what the commentary i was reading said that that's why they asked him to leave because they were like uh dude we liked those pigs or Mm -hmm. or whatever but this passage always for some reason has been really weird to me yeah Um, well it is kind of strange i'm like my mind is like well why didn't he just why did he send them to the pigs like why couldn't he have just cast out the demons why did they have to go to something else and why did jesus give them what they asked for yeah you know so it is kind of confusing and and so i think in times like this when we're reading stuff in scripture we do have to remember anytime you know like our finite minds are trying to understand the infinite Mm -hmm. god like that sometimes things might just not make sense Mm -hmm. to us yeah um i think we often use it as a cop-out to not study or understand try to understand things but i mean you know we 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 do try to understand things here on the show. And I think this is just one of those times that there is some, some varying opinions about this specific passage and that we just have to be like, all right, God, you knew what you were doing. Mm -hmm. Um, I did read something similar to that, that the people were mad because he drowned the pigs or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, And that showed that they valued the pigs more than they valued the men that the, the um, demons were leaving. Like they should have been glad that that was happening, but they were more worried about their valuable pigs. That's a good word right there. So how many times do we do that? And we're like more concerned with our things than Mm -hmm. people. Ooh, that's good. Way too many times. Yeah. Um, some, this also I read is kind of like, um, a a glimpse of what it's going to be like, in glorification where um, how God is going to have the final fate of demons mm. when he casts them into the lake of fire. Mm-hmm. So just kind of a little glimpse of yeah. what that's going to be like. 
So we can move on to chapter nine. So let's go ahead and start with verses one through eight. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, this man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise and walk, but that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid, and they glorified God, who had given such authority to men. I think it's really cool to see the the differences in each story that we've heard so Mm -hmm. far. So we heard about the centurion's servant. We heard about Peter's mother-in-law being healed. We heard about how he healed everybody who was sick, who was there. And, and now in this one in particular, he's showing us that, um, well, we see that he says your sins are forgiven. He didn't say that in the other, in the other healing miracle healings. And so in this particular case, it implies that, um, the sin and the sickness are related, but of the two, the sin is the more, fundamental problem. Yeah, that's what he addresses yeah. is a sin. And so I think we need to make sure that we don't just like take this one story in isolation compared to all the other healings and think that all sickness is a re- uh, is related to sin um, because that's not true. We see through the other stories that he doesn't say your sins are forgiven to everybody. Um, so it's a good reminder that um, we can't always assume our sickness is because of some sin in our life. And I think, you know, we might just assume that we don't think that way but then when we are sick or when something hard happens to us we're like oh what did I do you know what did I do that God's punishing me for and so it's just reminding ourselves and rooting ourselves in the gospel and understanding that that's not how God works God's not punishing you for mm-hmm. something you're covered by the blood of Jesus as soon as you put your faith in him and so God's not looking at you and punishing you for things there are consequences for sin yes right. but this isn't um this isn't how it works. He's not like, Oh, I'm going to give you this sickness because you lied or something like Mm -hmm. that. And I think, you know, it is important to remember that all sickness is a result of the fall. So from original sin, but I struggle with this a lot because I tend to um, lean towards like feeling guilty about everything. And so anytime I'm sick or my kids are sick or I'm hurt, I automatically think, oh my goodness, what did I do wrong? And I forget that like I have Jesus's imputed righteousness. Like Mm -hmm. I am not being punished for my sins. Like Jesus's blood has covered me. And yes, our our sickness and um, the pain that we go through and suffering, that is a result of the fall, but it is not directly because I did X, Y, Z yesterday. And so God's giving me the flu today. Like that's not how it works. Yeah, if we always say, you know, use scripture to interpret scripture and a good place to go for this is Psalms 103. I think, I mean, I really think you should spend some time in the whole thing, but particularly um, in verses nine and 10, it says he will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. Mm. So it's just, it's just reiterating that point that when we are in Christ, he doesn't repay us for Mm -hmm. our iniquities. Yeah. So as I was rereading this, I actually was rereading through this this morning and something 
different caught my eye. It said, when the crowd saw it, they were afraid and they glorified God. So it got me thinking about Mm -hmm. the fear of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And there's several verses that come to mind. Um, One is Proverbs 9, 10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. And then Hebrews 10, 31 says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. And so Mm -hmm. we think, wait, like God's a loving, he's a kind, he's compassionate God. Like, why should we fear him? And so I found a really good article on Ligonier um, and it's really short and it was just really good. And it talked about how Martin Luther distinguished between two different kinds of fear. He talked about servile fear and filial fear. Mm -hmm. Servile fear is basically where you're fearful that someone's going to physically harm you. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is what it said in this article about filial fear. It it refers to the fear that a child has for his father. In this regard, Luther is thinking of a child who has has tremendous respect and love for his father or mother and who dearly wants to please them. He has a fear or an anxiety of offending the one he loves, not because he's afraid of torture or even of punishment, but rather because he's afraid of displeasing the one who is, in that child's world, the source of security Mm -hmm. and love. So that's the kind of That's fear that we should have toward God because yeah. I think that word's kind of confusing yeah um and we will link that article because it has a little bit more to say and it's really good that's really helpful distinguishing that because I think that is I remember as a kid always being like why do they say fear the Lord right yeah. and then the next minute they're like Jesus loves you yeah. and it's like wait how a second does how does that work yeah. yeah yeah all right verses 9 through 13 as Jesus passed on from there he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth and said to him follow me And he rose and followed him. And Jesus reclined at the table in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when when the Pharisees saw this, they said to the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners." This is so convicting. And I think this goes back to what Aaron was talking about earlier about caring for the marginalized. Mm-hmm. Um, how often are we tempted to stay in our little Christian bubble? Yeah. Like we're tempted to just go to church on Sundays, go to our, our small group during the week with our um, fellow Christian friends. And we kind of stay in those bubbles and we tend to not want to get out of them. But we need to remember that um, our Christian friends are not the ones that that need Jesus. I mean, they do need him and they need to be reminded of the gospel daily, but they already know the gospel. It's the ones that don't know about Jesus that we really need to, to be spending our time and energy on. Um, and God's allowed us the privilege of sharing the good news with them. Like he doesn't need us. Mm. It's a privilege to get to be a part of this story, but that takes being bold and stepping out of our comfort zones, which is just so difficult. Like it's so difficult, Mm -hmm. especially I feel like it's even harder once you have kids because you can use the excuse of, well, I'm just trying to protect my kids Mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever. But um, it's really, you know, the people that don't know Jesus and that therefore might be living living what we would consider like iffy lives, you know, but they're the ones that need to know the gospel. They're the ones that we should be reaching out to. And that's exactly what Jesus was doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. I think there's really, there's a lot in this little passage that we could spend a whole podcast on. But I mean, I think it's important to note the immediate obedience we see in Matthew mm-hmm. that he just rose and followed yes, him. Yes. I mean, it says he was sitting at the tax booth. So he yeah. was 
working. He just left his job. He just yeah. got up and followed him. And we we just kind of read over that and don't really understand like what the cost would yeah. have been for mm-hmm. that. And so just like that's one thing we could spend a lot of time talking about, like what is the cost of following Jesus? And I mean, I'm not saying he asks everybody to leave their job because right, we're right. all glorifying God in our own jobs yes. that we have. But um, just like really taking account, like, does my life look like I'm making Mm -hmm. any sort of sacrifice to follow Jesus? But I also, I always get kind of caught up on that phrase, like, those who are well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. For some reason, that that phrase is always kind of like, bothered me a little bit I don't really know why but then I started to think about it more and more and and realize like he's talking to the Pharisees here and in the Pharisees mind they don't think they need a physician like they don't think that they're sick and so what he's saying here is like hey remember the gospel we're all broken Mm -hmm. we're all in need of a physician a physician. I can't ever say that physician. word. A physician. <laughs> We're all in need of a savior. We're all sick. And so he's he's not saying like, hey, you Pharisees don't need me or these people who, you know, in this group don't need me or whatever. He, what he's saying is that, hey, they're aware of their sickness. You're not. Mm-hmm. They're aware of their need for me. You're not. Mm-hmm. And that ultimately we all need him. We just need to be made aware Mm -hmm. of that need for him. And so I think just like keeping that in mind is he's not saying, Hey, I'm only here for a particular group. He's saying everybody needs to realize they're in that group that I'm here for. Mm -hmm. That's good. Um, Verses 14 through 17. Then the disciple of John came to him saying, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast. And Jesus said to them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment for the patch tears away from the garment and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wine skins. If it is, the wine burst and the, uh, the skins burst and the wine is spilled and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskins, and so both are preserved. I think that analogy is a little lost on us because we don't really understand how wine is put in wineskins anymore. Yes, so I read about it. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so wine, new wine, takes time to ferment, mm-hmm. and as something ferments, it put ferments, it puts off gases. Mm-hmm. And so, if you were to put brand new wine into an old wine skin that's already like stretched kind of been and, stretched yeah. and is old, as it puts off gases, it will burst the wine skin because okay. it, it won't hold up to it. But if you put it in a new one, the new skin will like stretch with it and it won't burst. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. okay, that makes a little science sense. lesson for the day. My <laughs> favorite thing about this passage is that Jesus is just so patient and gracious with their questions always like by this point I'd be like guys honestly now like how much more do I have to tell you Mm -hmm. like it should be clear but he doesn't and it's that's been really convicting to me of like just especially with my kids like to be more patient and gracious with with their questions Mm -hmm. yeah um I'm someone that tends to be constantly thinking about the what ifs and looking ahead to the future and Jonathan is forever reminding me that when I do this I'm missing out on what's right in front of me and I think that this is exactly what Jesus is saying he's saying look I'm right in front of you right now look at me yeah um 
And I was thinking about this and I wonder if he's saying that like on a daily basis to us as we're mm. distracted by all yeah. the worldly things around us and wondering about how we can control the future. He's saying, I'm right here. Yeah. Like, just yeah. look at me. I'm right in front of you. Yeah, and good. this is something, I mean, I struggle with and I think a lot of people in our culture struggle with like just living in the right here, mm. right now and focusing on what's really important. And I mean, number one should be Jesus. We need to look at him. He's right here. I mean, we've got the word right in front of us. And so many times we're so distracted and that's what these people were doing. Like they were more worried about fasting and Jesus Mm. is like, why are you fasting? I'm right here. Like, why are you mourning? I'm right here. Like there's no reason to try to look to the future and do these things for the future. You need to look at today. Yeah, that's really good. I feel like everybody can benefit from that. Good word. All right. Verses 18 to 25. While he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before them, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him with his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a discharge of blood for 12 years came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I will be made well. Jesus turned and seeing her, said, Take heart, daughter, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. And when Jesus came to the ruler's house and saw the flute players and the crowd making a commotion, he said, Go away, for the girl is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. And when the crowd had been put outside, he went in and took her by the hand, and the girl rose. And the report of this went through all that district. I love where he says, Your faith has made you well. Mm. I feel like that's just powerful. Yeah. Because it's our faith. Yeah, that that's really good. Heals us completely. Yeah, I think this passage in particular, I've been, um, like Casey mentioned, I'm in a class for seminary. And one of the things that we've been talking about is is thinking about the person of Jesus and the work of Jesus and how those are related. And, and one of the questions that we talked about was, like, how does knowing that Jesus was fully human encourage you um, in your life here? And, and so we referenced the verse in Hebrews that says, like, he is our high priest who is, can relate to everything that we've gone through. That's my paraphrase. But he's he can relate because he's lived here on earth. And so one of the things that I said that that encourages me is in, in my life of balance, like how do I balance being a mom and a wife and work and all these different things and ministry. And, and I've never really thought about Jesus having a balance. Like in my mind, it was just, he didn't, I don't know. He just did what was in front of him. There wasn't like balance, but this passage in particular shows he's on his way to go heal someone when someone comes up to him. And instead of him being like, sorry, you're going to have to wait your turn in that moment. He had to decide like what is urgent right here. And if, you know, I think every single one of us are faced with situations like that every single day, what's more urgent right now, get my kid a snack or finish reading my Bible. What's more urgent right now, (laughs) you know, finish washing the dishes or change that poopy diaper or, you know, at work, like what's more urgent like finishing this project or taking time to have lunch with this person like what and thinking that Jesus had to make these decisions is super encouraging to me and what we see from his example is that he doesn't shy away from distractions he doesn't shy away from interruptions and so um, I just think that's super encouraging for us to realize like Jesus in that moment on his way to heal someone stopped and healed someone You know, and if we really, truly believe that God is sovereign over all, then I think we can look at those, what we would call distractions or Mm -hmm. interruptions as just part of his plan. Yeah. As good. part of what he has planned for our daily lives. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's not what we have planned, but we're not sovereign over our (laughs) life. He is. That's true. 
And so, <laughs> and so I think if we look at it that way is just, you know, what God has for us that day, maybe it'll change our perspective a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Um, so my study Bible said her faith has made her well because the blessing of the kingdom come to those who look to Jesus for the solution to their Ooh. problems, not because any power of faith in itself. That's really good. Cause it would be super easy to tr- like trick this passage, mm-hmm. trick it. It would be super yeah. easy to twist this passage yes. into saying she basically healed herself cause she mm-hmm. had faith. Yeah. It's so not, that's good. it's not that faith is powerful. It's yes. Jesus. Is yes. Powerful. I like that, that saying too, like we look to Jesus for the solution mm-hmm. to our problems. Yeah. Yeah. The verses 27 through 38. And as Jesus passed on from there, two blind men followed him, crying out loud, Have mercy on us, son of David. When he entered the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said to them, Do you believe that I am account that I am able to do this? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were open, and Jesus sternly warned, warned them, See that no one knows about it. But they went away and spread his fame through all the district. They obviously listened really well. And as they were going away, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. And when the demon had been cast out, the mute man spoke. And the crowds marveled, saying, Never was anything like this seen in Israel. But the Pharisees said, He cast out demons by the prince of demons. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. There, uh, therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. So again, this is another passage where we could do a whole episode mm-hmm. on it, and and our hope and our um, our prayer for this study is, yeah, we're going a little bit fast, yeah, but we that are. you would really sit in the passages mm-hmm. throughout the week, um, like whatever passage the Lord's kind of like stirring up from what we've gone over, like really just sit in that passage maybe for the next you know few days and really ask the Lord like what He's trying to teach you from that passage because there's so many ways we could go with this. We could talk about how God is sovereign, even. Um, even when, you know, he says, don't tell anybody and they go and tell the whole district, like God takes everything and uses it for good. And so we could, you know, I mean, you could spend time learning more about that, like, and go back and read about Joseph's life, because that's Mm -hmm. a perfect example of that. Um, You could spend time in this passage in particular, just talking and studying how like he did these miracles. Like we read them and sometimes we take them for granted. But if you actually think about it, like think about the lives that were affected during this, like really try to put yourself in the passage and think, okay, so think about someone, you know, and like what that would have been like for God to have healed them in front of your Mm -hmm. eyes. And there's so many different ways we could really sit in these passages, but I love how it ends. I love how it's just a great reminder for us that these disciples, they're realizing, wow, there is so much work to be done. There's so much brokenness. There's so much healing that needs to take place. And there's so many people that need to hear the gospel. And they're realizing like it is beyond their power. It is beyond what they could ever do. So one, they're realizing they need more of Jesus. And two, they're realizing they need more laborers. They need more disciples. They need more people to be grasped by the gospel and by its power and that in turn want to make, you know, that their life. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a really good reminder for us that this is this is where we're at right now. We just were talking about this passage at a, a church staff meeting of, of just saying like, this is what it's like here in Austin. Like 
there is a lot of work that can be done. There's a lot of people who are hurting. There's a lot of people who need Jesus and that we need to remember that it's by his power and that that we should just be so desperate and so dependent on God and recognizing that we can't do it. It's got it's going to take a work of his mm-hmm. power. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot lately because, I mean, eventually Jonathan and I would love to be a, tr- a part of a church plant, and we know that God's not calling us to be the the lead planters, and so just praying, like, Lord, bring someone, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that we can partner with, bring fellow like co-laborers for this task that that we believe you're calling us to, and just fully depending on on him to do that. Yeah. Um, he wants his name to be known and he, um, you know, we believe that this is something that he desires for our city. And so we know he'll do it, but like, I mean, Jesus says here to pray for that. And so I think it's important to once again, just remember the power of power of prayer. Yeah. It's good. Awesome. All right. We did it. Eight and nine. Spend some time in the passages this week and then we'll be back next week. Yeah. If you're wanting to read ahead for next week, go ahead and read chapter 10. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today